Psalm 59, David writes, deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty men. For behold, they lie in wait for my life. Fierce men stir up strife against me. For no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord, for no fault of mine, they run and make ready. Awake, come to meet me and see you, Lord God of hosts, our God of Israel. Rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Spare not those who treacherously plot evil. Each evening they come back, howling like dogs and prowling about the city. There they are, bellowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips, for who they think will hear us. But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You hold all the nations in derision. O my strength, I will watch for you. For you, O God, are my fortress. My God, in his steadfast love, will meet me. God will let me look in triumph on my enemies. Kill them not, lest my people forget. Make them totter by your power. and Bring them down, O Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouths, the words of their lips, let them be trapped in their pride for the cursing and lies that they utter. Consume them in wrath. Consume them till they are no more. That they may know that God rules over Jacob, that God rules to the ends of the earth. Each evening they come back howling like dogs and prowling about the city. They wander about for food and growl if they do not get their fill. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you. For you, O oh God, are my fortress the God who shows me steadfast love. So, who or what dogs gnaw at you? What eats at you? What just persistently growls in your direction? Is it other people? Is it painful circumstances for which perhaps you're not to blame? Or perhaps it's a particular sin that's gnawing at you. A sin you can't seem to overcome. About who or what do you cry out to the Lord to deliver you? to protect you, to save you. David's crying out to the Lord. Look at verses one and two. 
He is so dogged by enemies that he cries out to the Lord, deliver me, protect me, deliver me, save me. Remember, this is the man to whom the Lord made great promises. Second Samuel 7, the Lord promises to build for David a house, an eternal kingdom. He promises, he promises to, to seat him upon a throne that would last forever. And of course, you know, the Lord did do great things for David. He has Samuel anoint a youthful David as Israel's future king. He stunningly enables David to defeat the giant Goliath in battle. He then grants David victory over tens of thousands of Israel's enemies. Finally, he seats David. He seats David. He seats David upon what is called in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. He seats David upon what God calls the throne of the Lord. And then as king, the Lord empowers David to win many more battles, to conquer Jerusalem, to bring the Ark of the Covenant into David's royal city, that city which the psalmist calls the city of the Lord. And David knows. David knows that he reigns as God's vice regent. He knows that the true king, the true king of Israel, is the Lord. David knows that his God-given task as king is to teach his people by word and by example, to teach them to faithfully serve and obey their one true king. But David's task, his God-given task, it's not easy. He's surrounded by enemies. And furthermore, within him, there is a lion-like dog seeking to devour him. So what about you? By grace through faith in Jesus as Savior, Lord, and King, he delivers you from sin's curse and power. He promises to be with you. He promises to meet all your needs. He promises to love you with a love that will never let you go. And I know if we took the time that many of you could stand and testify about, testify about the great things that he, that he has done for you. You can testify about his providential care in your life, how he's protected you time and again, how he's led you out of darkness and brought you into the light of his eternal, unchanging truth. You could stand and testify about all the good things that the Lord has done. But you also know that life in this world 
Not easy. It is not easy. There are circumstances that dog you, that, that, that gnaw at your sense of well-being. It may be because you're being sinned against. It may be because sins. It may be because of, of those sins that you have not overcome. Those sins that just eat at you. I assure you, I know all about that. And so does David. So does David. Psalms 51 through 60 are a unit. They deal with a list of enemies. If you go back to Psalm 51... David confesses that the enemy, the dog that is gnawing at him, is his own sin. You know Psalm 51. It's where David confesses his sin of adultery. But then in Psalms 52 through 60, David speaks of various people who are dogging him. Now, listen. If you read the Psalms, you may sometimes be confused by things that David says. You may find David at time to seem a little boastful. You may at times find David to be in deep despair. But it's critical as you read the Psalms especially the Psalms of David. As you read those Psalms, remember who David is. He is God's vice regent. He is God's chosen king. He is God's representative. And when David speaks in the Psalms, you have to remember that David isn't simply speaking out of self-concern. David's major concern is for the glory of the Lord and for the welfare of God's people. And he knows, as he lives his life, he knows, as God's vice regent, that those who are attacking him are in fact attacking God's people And most importantly, they are attacking the Lord. Back in Psalm 51, where David confesses his sin, you remember that as he owns his sin, he cries out to the Lord in Psalm 51, verse 4. You'll remember this. He cries out to the Lord against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And that seems on the surface to me to be a strange statement. I mean, clearly, clearly David's sin of adultery terribly 
impacted others. Clearly, David sinned against other people. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against her husband, Uriah, who David made sure would die in battle. And he sinned against his own people. Because of David's sin, Israel will experience trouble time, troubling times in the years to come. So why does he pray as he does? Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight? Because David knows that first and foremost, he has sinned against the Lord. Well, then in Psalms 52 through 60, David gives you a list of dogs, dogs that are all around him, growling against him, growling against the Lord, growling against his people. And here in Psalm 59, David remembers being dogged by Saul. Those events that Nick read this morning. And he uses his remembrance of that past event to speak about the many enemies that are now dogging him. Saul was king. He knows David is to succeed him. He's jealous of David's popularity with the people. He views David as a threat. The people are singing his praises. So Saul tries repeatedly to kill him. Finally, he sends messengers to David's home to arrest him so that he can put him to death. But David's wife, Michael, who is Saul's daughter, this is Saul's daughter. Michael informs David of her father's intention and she helps David escape out a window. She makes it appear that David is lying sick in bed. She tells the messengers that David's too ill to get up. And the messengers, I assume, either thinking David's going to die in bed anyway or just not being willing to question the daughter of the king, Whatever the reason, they return to Saul empty-handed. David has escaped. And David knows, bottom line, that the Lord delivered him from Saul. So now in Psalm 59, he cries out to the Lord for protection against those who are dogging him. We're not sure We're not sure of the exact circumstances here in Psalm 59. But we do know, as David, look at verses 2 and 3. We do know, as David tells us, he tells us, um, he tells us that, in, in verse 3, he tells us that he has done nothing to provoke these attacks He tells us in verses 2 and 3 that he's confronted by bloodthirsty men who lie in wait for him to strive against him. But David says, I have done nothing to justify these attacks. He's not claiming. This is one of those times when you read what David says where you want to go, really? You're faultless? Well, let me remind you about A, B, C, D, E. Let me just give you the list. David's not claiming to be sinless. He's saying in this 
situation in these circumstances, I've done nothing to provoke these men. I've done nothing to justify their rising up against me. Now, again, back in Psalm 51, David knows the dog dog gnawing at him is because he has sinned. Well, I know that dog. You know that dog? I know that dog. But in Psalm 59, David knows that it's not because of any fault of his that he's under attack. And perhaps you also know what that's like. Now, talking about these dogs, look at verses 6 and 7. Look at verses 14 and 15. Talks about these dogs. Now listen to me. I love dogs. Okay? He's not talking about your adorable pet. Okay? He's not talking about my wife's sweet little muffin that she loves so much who is gone and with the Lord in heaven. Dogs go to heaven when they die. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't hold me to that, but I, 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 I have to believe that's true. So, I mean, I, I desperately want to believe that's true. So he's not talking about your, he's talking about packs of scavengers who howl with words as sharp as swords, who arrogantly think that no one can hear or judge them. These scavengers just prowl about looking for what they can devour with an appetite that's never satisfied. They're attacking David, but David's concerned about more than himself. He's deeply concerned about about these dogs Attacking the Lord and his people. So what does David do? Look back at verses 4 and 5. You ever prayed this way? Again, this is one of those times when David speaks that you kind of back up and go, wow. Not sure I'd ever pray that way. David prays and he says, wake up. He's talking to the Lord. David says, wake up, rouse yourself. Punish the nations that are attacking me, that are in fact attacking you or attacking his people. You ever prayed that way? If you haven't prayed that way out loud, I'm confident many of you have prayed that way deep in your soul. Haven't you known times when you felt so overwhelmed by your circumstances that you simply wondered if the Lord was paying attention? Haven't you? I have. Obviously, David has. David's being honest. I encourage you to be honest before the Lord. He already knows your frustrations with him. Who do you think you're hiding those frustrations from? Tell him. He'll hear your prayer. 
And as he does for David here in Psalm 59, may he minister to your need and may he reassure you of his steadfast love. Now look at verse 11. David asked the Lord concerning these dogs. David asked the Lord not to kill these dogs, but to leave them tottering for a while for all to see. I mean, perhaps David's intent is for them to serve as a living demonstration to his people that the Lord is their shield, that he is their protector, that he is the one who delivers them from the hands of both his and their enemies. David perhaps wants a situation where he can say, see, there they are, those people who troubled us, see what happened? See how the Lord delivered us? See how the Lord protected us? See? You see? These enemies who David describes in verse 12 as being prideful, as being liars, as being cursers, Look at verse 13. David prays that God's dealing with these dogs will enable all people. Expression there is interesting. I don't think it's just, I don't think it's restricted just to the people of Israel. I think it means all people. That God's dealing with these dogs will enable all people, will reveal to all people that God rules over all, even to the ends of the earth. But you have to also note in verse 13 that David does pray for the Lord to eventually consume these dogs. Well, why does David call upon the Lord to deal so harshly with his enemies. Aren't we supposed to love our enemies? Of course we are. But David's prayer reflects the biblical truth that those who attack God's people, those who attack God's anointed, David, those who attack God's anointed, God's people, are in fact attacking the Lord and will be judged by the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. They will suffer the eternal consequences of their sins. Those who sow the wind will reap the whirlwind. Now, focus with me on verses 8 and 10 and verses 16 and 17. Verses 8 and 10, verses 16 and 17. In verse 8, David knows he need not fear the dogs attacking him. David knows that the Lord laughs at them. David knows that while these dogs are causing him a great deal of trouble, he knows, as you're told back in Psalm 2, he knows that the one who sits in heaven... The one true God sovereignly rules over all, laughs at them, and holds them in derision. Now, that's great to know. But, of course, as we live in this world, there are times when we simply don't understand why the Lord allows particular dogs to prowl about growling and and gnawing at us. I've known that bewilderment. 
But I pray you will remember. I pray that I can remember. That the Lord laughs at them. He holds them in derision. They will not win. The Lord will overcome them. And by his enabling strength, you will stand firm in your faith and prove to be an overcomer. The Lord's purposes, no matter how mysterious, the Lord's purposes, no matter how mysterious, are always good. He is at work in all your circumstances to accomplish in your life if you lovingly serve him, to accomplish that which is for your temporal and eternal good. Is that always immediately clear? Of course not. Not in this world. It may not even be clear until the world to come. But it's what the scriptures teach us is true about the sovereign Lord who rules over all the details of our lives. The Lord is using the dogs that growl and gnaw at you to to achieve his purposes. Those dogs can do no more than he allows. And no matter how things may seem, he will deliver, he will protect, he will save. I say that to you on the authority of the word of God. I mean, look at David. David testifies in verses 9 and 10, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my fortress. David tells us that the Lord's love for him is steadfast. See that word? It's, it's the hesed love of which Pastor Jones spoke last week. It's the promised eternal love of a covenant-keeping God for his covenant people. And David, assured of the Lord's steadfast love, knows the Lord will enable him to triumph over these dogs. Well, likewise, dear, likewise, my dear friends, if you are his, he is your strength. He is your fortress. His love for you is steadfast. He will empower you to triumph over your enemies, be those enemies all around you or be those enemies within you. Now, now look at verses 16 and 17. Now, now David sings. Okay, He sings of the Lord's strength. He sings of the Lord's steadfast love. He, he sings of the Lord being for him a fortress and a refuge in time of trouble. Okay? Now, now look at verse 9. Look at verse 17. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 17. Verse 9, verse 17. They're almost identical. Almost. But in verse 9... In the midst of his troubles, David says, he will wait upon the Lord. But then as he comes to the end of the psalm, in verse 17, David says, now he will sing to the Lord. There was a time when I was troubled by panic attacks. 
Never knowing exactly why, I'd find myself sitting and shaking on the side of my bed in the middle of the night. I'd cry out to the Lord. I'd often begin to sing to myself the words of Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Often during those attacks, Linda would wake up. And knowing what was happening, she'd she'd place her hand on my back and she'd begin to pray. For me, it was as if an angel was singing. And slowly but surely, the attacks would cease. And assured once more of the Lord's steadfast love, I could lie down and go peacefully back to sleep. Wait, sing, pray. Watch, sing, and pray. Hundreds of years after David's day, hundreds of years later, the prophet Habakkuk was deeply troubled by the rebellious sins of his own people. He cried out to the Lord to do something. Do something! And the Lord said, okay, I'm going to do something. I'm going to send the Babylonians to punish my people. And Habakkuk said, whoa, that wasn't the answer to my prayer that I was looking for. I mean, the Lord ever answered your prayer in a way that you weren't looking for? Perhaps answered your prayer in a way that you didn't particularly care for. So what does Habakkuk do? In Habakkuk 2 verse 1, the prophet tells the Lord, I will look to see. I will wait. I will watch to see what you will do. So Habakkuk waits upon the Lord in the midst of circumstances that dog him. He waits. And as he waits... The Lord reminds him in Habakkuk, listen, the Lord reminds him in Habakkuk 2 verse 4, the righteous will live by faith, by faith in the sovereign Lord's providence, a providence that Habakkuk at that moment finds hard to understand. You been there? You done that? By the end of his prophecy, Habakkuk testifies. And because it's poetic, I'm going to assume that perhaps he sings. This is what he sings. All right? And this is probably not the song you're wanting to hear. This is what Habakkuk sings. He sings, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, the produce of the olive fail and fields yield no food. The food be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet, Habakkuk says, I will rejoice, I will sing to the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. 
How, how in the world can Habakkuk sing such words? Because in Habakkuk 3.19, this is his profession. This is what he confesses to believe. Habakkuk knows, as David knows, Habakkuk sings, God, the Lord, is my strength. So what about you, my dear friends? With the dogs prowling about, howling and gnashing at you? Wait upon the Lord. Be still and watch. Try singing aloud one of the great hymns of the church. I often find myself singing, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning in thee. Whatever you choose to sing, wait and watch to see what the Lord will do. Sing to the Lord. And as you watch and wait and pray, I pray that the Lord will enable you to join David in singing. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord's love for me is forever steadfast and sure. Let's pray. Father, teach us to hear your truths as they are revealed to us in Holy Scripture. Thank you for David, a man just like us, a man of terrible, terrible weaknesses, and yet a man that you greatly strengthened to do good things for you and for your people. Forgive us our sins, Lord. Help us in the midst of turmoil. Help us, Lord, when we do not understand. Help us, Lord, to believe with all of our heart and soul and strength and mind that you are our fortress, that you are our strength, and that your love for us is steadfast and sure. And all God's people said, amen.